Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We are not doing this, however, without considering the works we are committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. Okay. All right, well, we've been doing a series entitled Learning to Lead, and it's not just learning how to... Uh, lead at a church, for example. Um, we all lead. If you're a mom, you lead your children. If you um, are a manager or uh, you know work in a business in some way, then you're going to lead in that area as well. Um, you might have friends that you have to lead through an emotional uh, problem or something. Here comes the, the day we don't set up chairs. We have a million people who come. Okay. Okay, so anyway, um, we all take a role of leader in some way or some capacity, and learning to lead is not just about a specific area. It's really something that we can do in a lot of facets of our life. Uh, last, Last week, we talked about conflict and how some people avoid conflict and how some people evoke conflict. And how we have to deal with conflict, because conflict is a part of life. You are going to have conflict with friends, with family, coworkers, and how you deal with conflict is an important part of your ability to move past that to, in a sense, lead. Today we're going to be talking about attachment and detachment. And I'm going to be talking about attachment in relational ways, okay? Relational attachment that is such an important place, such an important role in our life, especially in that area of time. If you have a copy of the scriptures, open it up to Exodus chapter 18. Exodus 18, we're going to start at verse 13. The beginning of this passage talks about how Moses spent an entire day listening to the people of Israel and conducting matters for them. In other words, when they would come with a complaint or problem, he was basically the judge and he would say, do this, don't do that, settle it this way. And so in verse 13, the next day Moses sat to judge the people. 
And the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he says, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they, might, they come to me and I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statutes of God and his laws. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. And so here's an example in Scripture where Moses is doing something important. He's leading the people, but he is getting worn out doing it because he only has so much time and there are so many needs. And that's going to be true in our lives as well. You only have so much time. And how you deal with your time, how you allot that time is going to be very important. The thing that steals the most time is going to be our relationships with people. Now, it might be Facebook. I don't know where you are at. But it might be other things where you just watch a lot of TV or play a lot of video games. Maybe those things are areas where it's taking a time. But when it comes to people, it's important how you interact with people and how you allow their interaction with you. Basically, we have kind of three spheres of people. You could break it down to more. It definitely could be more. This is simplistic. But we have an inner sphere, which is the core of our closest friends, right? These are our confidants. These are the people you go to when something goes wrong who are going to help you, who you can bear your soul to. Hopefully, if you're married, it's your spouse, someone that you can talk to about anything or you can kind of have that person that you indulge that relationship with constant conversation that's very intimate. After that, you have uh, another sphere that has to do with a lot of friends, right? Maybe coworkers, people you know, people you engage with, people you go out to dinner with, people you enjoy spending time with, maybe people in ministry who you serve along with or you do things with, and there are other people that you're friends with, but they aren't the first person you would call when things get heavy. You know, that goes back to that inner circle of friends. But these are people you love hanging around with, that you enjoy that time, that you don't mind spending time with. Then there's the outer ring, and this is people who you know, but for some reason or another, you don't feel as comfortable involving yourself with them as much as you do the other circles. And it could be anything. They always ask you for money. Um, they're always, right? They're always complaining. It could be a number of things, and, and don't think that I'm saying these are bad people, because these people are loved by God as much as you and I are. What I want you to do is understand that you are going to have 
a limited amount of time that you can involve yourself with other people. So be wise in how you do it. If you are going to have people be a part of your life and give you insight and guidance, you want it to be people you can trust. The other kind of people you might go have donuts with, right? You might have a conversation with. And then some people, you're not going to allow them to give you insight into your life. Maybe you don't trust them. If I tell it to this person, they'll tell it to everybody, right? And some people, that's just how they grew up. They grew up in a family that once you told Aunt Martha, you know, what it was happening, everybody in the family knew, right? Anyone have people in the family like that? Like, don't tell them, because once you tell them, everybody knows. And so those are the kinds of things that you have to be aware of, of who you divulge yourself to that, and these spheres of influence. I call this inner sphere, it's like your favorite t-shirt. When I was probably about, oh, I don't know, 12 years old, I had this Los Angeles Rams t-shirt. And it had the arms, you know, that were short sleeve, but not quite short sleeve. There, many, you know, and this shirt, I just wore it out because I loved the Rams, and it was comfortable. And I wore it till it was almost invisible, right? I mean, I wore that thing so the material was just so thin you could just about see through it. It was the shirt I would wear whenever I could, and whenever we'd have a family function where I had to dress up and put a button shirt on, right? 12-year-olds and button shirts just don't go together. At least they didn't for me. And so you'd have to dress and the family's all there, whatever the occasion is, and I'm feeling stifled. That's like that outer area, okay? That shirt was not the shirt I would wear all the time. But as soon as I got back home or as soon as I was allowed to, on came the Ram shirt. That's my comfort zone. Those are people that you need in your life. Those are people that you have to attach yourself to because they're going to have a positive influence in your life. You're going to be comfortable with them, and it's a place that you and I need. Just like Moses needed people he could trust to now mandate these judgments over the people, that they would do what was right in God's eyes. You need people in your life. I need people in my life who I can talk to, who can speak into my life and give me counsel and give me guidance and help me when I'm feeling down, when I'm struggling, when I'm having a hard time with a situation because we all have those times. One of the problems is there are people who I call over-attachers. Those are people who attach themselves or feel the need to attach themselves to everybody. And they have a hard time saying no. You probably know people like this. If you talk to them and you ask them to do something, they'll say, ah, well, I've got to pick up, you know, my niece at 8 a.m. And then I've got to take so-and-so lunch at 12. And then I've got to make dinner at 5. But I've got time between 12 and 4 where I could do something, right? These are the people who will bend over backwards to try and make things work for everybody. And these over-attachers, they, they start giving of themselves so much that they actually start losing themselves. They start losing the ability to connect deeply because they're connecting so much. 
And I've listed some symptoms of overattachers. And attachment is good. We need people. Overattaching. That's when it becomes unhealthy. And I know immediately say, well, where's the line? Well, it's not always the same place. It depends on the attachment, depends on the people, depends on your life and schedule. But here are some symptoms. If you're an overattacher, you might recognize some of these symptoms in your life. You feel as though you can't keep up with everyone and their demands for your emotional and physical energy. You're always giving and you're just taxed. You can't remember the last time you've been by yourself for an extended period of time and you can't remember even wanting to. You're so used to giving and giving and giving that you've kind of lost yourself in the process. You like feeling needed and find it disconcerting if you're not being called upon socially on a continual basis. In other words, if you're not busy, you're not comfortable. If you're not doing something for somebody, you feel something is wrong. If you're doing that, you're probably an over-attacher. You often get hurt by others, and you rarely see it coming. Now, why do you think you would get hurt by others and not see it coming? It has to do with those circles. Mm-hmm. Or you're expecting people to respond the way you are? It's like, well, I went out of my way to help you, but you didn't go out of your way to help me. Okay? And so you attach yourself even to those third ring people. It's like, I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving to you, and I'm giving to you. And then you're hurt because when you needed something and you said, hey, Joe, can you help me? Sorry, Joe, your name's just one of those names. Yeah. Can you help me do this? And Joe says, no, I, I can't. I'm going bowling. It's like, but I really needed this. And when you really needed me, you know, I put down, you know, whatever it was, going to a Dodger game to help you, but you can't give up bowling to help me, that kind of a thing. Okay? <laughs> Joe. Um, so you're hurt by others, but you don't see it coming because you expect them to be like you. You expect that. Yeah, yeah, but there's another word. Anyway, reciprocity, right? Yeah, that was a word. Um, You're quick to forgive others for not doing their part in relationships and easily let them get right back in without addressing the issues at hand. And so you're quick to say, oh, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. But others aren't that way with you. You find yourself wondering why you're always running yourself dry for others while no one seems to want to do anything for you. If any of these are ringing true to you, then maybe it's your overattaching to so many people. You find yourself wondering why you're always running around. I just read that one. You may also pride yourself in being loyal, invested, devoted, and giving, but you may be unable to see how you are benefiting from being needed and how some of your motivation may be based in softening the ache of loneliness in your life. In other words, you feel needed and you like that feeling. And sometimes pride is why you give yourself and give yourself because you feel that you can't be done without. The people need you. And you like that feeling. 
okay? Because it keeps you from feeling lonely. But really, you have no depth in relationships. You just have a lot of relationships. It was interesting when we did the Strengths Finders. There are a number of strengths that really deal in relational ways. My daughter, one of hers was a relator. And there was a few people who had that. And one of the characteristics of a person who's a relator is they see relationships as an investment that are worth investing in, but they are so worth investing in that they can't invest in a lot. They just have a few people. And those friends they've had for a long time. And if you know my daughter, she has friends that she's had since she was four years old. Okay, her and Allie are still close friends and her and Allie grew up, you know, in just church together in the preschool. And so that was something that was just a part of her characteristic. Find friends, invest in them. And I want to have that. And, and even when friends don't do you right, you forgive them and you stick to that investment. She's had other friends who haven't treated her well, but she still maintains a friendship with them and has come around where their friendship has actually been healthy and healed to some degree, depending on all the things that have happened. And, and so that's one consistent part of the relator. There are other people who it's not like I need those few friends. They want to make friends with everybody, right? Woo, winning others over. Mary, you're woo, Right. Mary can make friends with everybody, right? She's very friendly. She's very outgoing. And so for her, it, it's really, I want, it's almost a challenge. I need to make friends with these people I see. Okay, neither one is right or wrong. It's just the characteristics. Both of them have to understand that there has to be people you can be close to and there has to be people that you don't say yes to everything with. Otherwise, they will wear you out. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You will be affected by the people you are around. And if you're constantly giving of yourself to people who can't give back to you, it is going to bleed you dry and you're going to find yourself needing to be replenished, but not having the source, bless you, to get that. And, and so if you're going to be a person who is going to be leading, you have to manage your time. And if you attach yourself to everybody, you have to be careful because you'll have no time to actually be doing the things like Moses that you should be doing. I just, I don't have any time left. Okay, let's get some other people. Now I can actually continue doing the things that I need to do and have other people part of my life filling the needs that I have. And it's really important for us to understand that. Now, when you take on a position of leadership, there are going to be more people asking for your time. Again, if you're a mom, you know that, right? Does she ask for your time? No, never, right? It's like constant. If you're at work and you're in a managerial situation or position, a lot of people are going to be going to you needing your guidance in those situations. If you're in the church, 
people are going to come up to you and ask you for those kinds of things. Oftentimes, when people come up to me and say, hey, what's happening, say, with Mexico? I'll say, I don't know, talk to Gabe. Why? Because I want Gabe to be able to give you more and better information than me. Plus, I don't need to give you every information about everything. I, I don't, I'm not the best person to give you all the information. I've shared before, I sat in counseling appointments with other pastors where the pastor felt that it was their position to give advice about everything. They're giving them financial counsel. They're giving them job counsel. And I'm kind of wondering, like, really, are you best qualified to tell this person where they should work? Are you best qualified to go through this person's financial situation? I don't have to be that for everybody. Remember the the brother who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, have my brother give me my inheritance. And Jesus says, who am I to deal with that for you? Who made me the arbitrator over you? Jesus said, I'm not here for that. And he told him, no. Jesus told someone, no. You can tell people no. You want to be sensitive? You know, I'm not going to say, hey, don't talk to me about Mexico. Go talk to Gabe. It's like, no, talk to Gabe because he knows more about it. I don't have to know everything about everything that's happening in Genesis. I don't want to know everything about everything that's happening in Genesis. I need to know enough. Being the pastor, kind of CEO but I don't need to know everything about everything. Genesis will be very limited, just like Moses was, if I have to know everything. And so when people come up to me and ask me, well, what are we going to do about, you know, or can we sing this song? Don't ask me. Talk to Randy. Randy's doing the music. Okay. That, That way I don't have to worry about doing your favorite song you know, and it's like, oh man, I hate that song. You know, I can just say, Randy, deal with that. And if Randy loves that song, God bless him. He can do that song. But I don't have to be in charge of everything. You should not feel the need to be in charge of everything. And if you are attaching yourself to all these people and all these things, what you're going to find is that you start to actually detach from the things that are really important. That center group of people. Now, contrary to the attachers or over-attachers, there's the people who detach. And this is one that I probably lean to more so as I was just putting this together. A person who detaches can be defined as a person who is under-attached or overly independent. Okay, and over-attached has too many people in their relational spheres the detacher doesn't have enough. And so who's in your close circle? Um, I don't know. I can't think of anybody. That's not good. Now, I'm not that bad. I've got a few people in my circle, okay? Definitely my wife is in there. Um, and so a detaching person does not have enough people in that center sphere. Um, the interesting thing is that many people in leading a detached life are very unaware of the lack of attachment. 
It's like you don't notice there's anything missing because you're not trying to have that part of your life, which is part of the problem. Um, they don't even know how detached they are. Detached people exhibit their underdependence by being emotionally removed, being aloof or relationally distant. On the other hand, they may seem just the opposite. They might seem engaged. They might be someone who's popular. They might be someone who's eager to be needed, but really um, don't want to be that invested. It's like they like to be a person who people look to, but they don't really want to look to anybody. And so it's kind of a one-way street with this. There, of course, there's healthy versions. You know, you have to be able to have some detachment from things. It's necessary to detach if you have a relationship that's toxic, right? How many people, especially those who are dating, maybe have had a toxic relationship and they had to detach from that relationship because it was causing problems in their life. And so there's good areas of detachment, but there's also unhealthy areas of detachment. Like the person who can't bring themselves to trust a friend who's actually earned their trust. And so instead of reaching out to someone who could actually help you, you won't trust them even though they've been there for years and they've proven themselves trustworthy. So now what does that do to the relationship? Well, if I'm the person who's been a good close friend, but you've never called on me when you're in trouble, it makes me think I'm not that good of a friend. Because you never call on me when you're in trouble. I've been with you for all these years, but you never call me. You've got it made. You can handle it. And so now I just feel a little distant. And so now what's happening? That inner circle isn't really developing because you're not reaching out. You're not connecting with those people. Um, It is unhealthy version that really I want to talk about because that's where I think the struggles are if we're not healthy in those ways. Um, Detached people tend to be uncomfortable with long-term commitments, extended time with someone alone, genuine vulnerability, transparency, especially invasion of their private space. Okay, all these things make them feel uncomfortable. I don't want to have to sit there and just be alone and attached and vulnerable. It's awkward. Okay, they like to remain detached, being able to enjoy the view without, you know, having to step into the water. I just want to see it, but I don't want to have to involve myself in it. They might recognize the value in people and relationships, but they prefer to remain a spectator rather than a player. Oh yeah, relationships are, are so important. Well then, how are they important in your life? Who's important in your life? Who do you interact with in a deep way? Who do you open up to and talk to? And if you're having a hard time filling in those names, then maybe you're detaching in some of these areas. There's some people who will call me and just say, hey, let's get together. 
And when they do, I almost always want to find a way to say yes because I need it. Because I can get real locked into my world. I can be reading, I can be studying, I can be doing things that keep me busy, but don't keep me connected. And so I love those people who give me a call and say, what are you doing? Let's grab lunch. And I often, if I can, okay, how about three o'clock? I'll just, we'll make it a late lunch. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Great. Why? Because I need to be connected. I need that. And especially, again, with those people who I trust, who've earned that trustworthiness. Okay, so detached people may like to be with people, but don't like to be close to people. Detached people appear close while not being close. And if you try to get close to a person who's detached, you'll find that it's difficult and oftentimes awkward. You start asking, so how's it going? Fine. And you know that they were just laid off. Well, I know it's not fine. You know, I was hoping you would open up and tell me what's going on. You know, I've been with you through this whole thing, but they don't open up. You know, it's like pulling teeth, trying to get this information out of them. Okay, it's just awkward. They, they have a hard time being close. You know in your mind it's good to need people, but your heart will have none of it, and so you compromise. You surround yourself with people without ever allowing them to actually get close to you. Allow yourself to actually need them. Who do you need in your life? What people do you need? And if you're one of these people, all I need is God. That is so not true. Okay. That you don't just need God. You know, God told Adam, it's not good for your man to be alone. Okay. And that was before the fall. So we need people. We need attachment. Who do you need? Who is that person there that you need in their life, in your life? Because that's important to have people that are there. And, And if I'm touching on things, and I hope I am, because it touched on me. It's not fair for just me to get touched and not you. If there's some things that are are striking a nerve with you, don't look at this as me just kind of saying this is who you are, period. But maybe this is an area that you're leaning to that needs to be switched or changed up or invested in in a different way that you can start seeing some change taking place. Um, At times you might want to give in to just really opening up to people, but that's vulnerability. And if you're going to open yourself up to someone, there's the danger of being hurt and you would rather play it safe and not be hurt so you don't open up at all. And that way you don't feel vulnerable. You still feel in charge. It's all about control. People who are detached want to be in control of their lives. And let's face it, once you allow other people in, you lose control, right? And so that's a problem. The problem remains. You First and central sphere of people is closed off. People may need you, but you choose to need no one. And that's the sad part. And I think that's truthfully what struck me in my just thinking about this uh, is how much even Kareem, my wife, has emotionally needed me in the years 
and how many times I was detached and wasn't as emotionally accessible as I should have been. You see, it's great to know that she needs me, but I don't need her. Now, that's not true. I need her incredibly. But it's easier for me to think of things and not feel that need to be attached than it is to deal with that sometimes. And that's one of the areas where communication, I have to open up. I have to sit down and talk about what's uncomfortable. And who likes that? Some people love that. The attachers, they, some people like, oh, I got to tell you what's going on. I feel like this and I feel like that. And I'm like, okay, how do you feel? Mm, you know, and it's great trying to get the door open just to share a little bit. Okay, and it, it happens. Okay, you could pick up and leave and never look back. You know, you can just kind of move your life on. Doesn't matter what happens to me, I can keep going, I won't be phased. It's always good if I'm helping people, but what does it matter if I need them or they need me? After all, dependence is for wimps, right? Uh, That's for weak, and that's where weakness is. Detaching people fear that being loved, you will get hurt. Again, there's that detachment, and you don't want to go there. Uh, Beyond the fear of loss, the detached struggles with the fear of being vulnerable, the gap between their sacred inner world and the world out there, it's too difficult to cross and it's scary for you to cross. And so what we're fighting for in both the overattacher and the detacher is intimacy. We're, We're fighting for the ability to really connect to people. And I think probably one of the biggest things that I have seen, especially in the church, with leadership when it comes to problems, is there is a detachment or a lack of intimacy because of over-attachment to the people around them. I talked to one guy, he used to be in the worship team that I had been a part of for years, and I had ran into him up at the school uh, one year when we were up at Pioneer and he was flying a model airplane and I saw him and I said, hey man, how you doing? I haven't seen you in so long. And I asked where he was going to church and he's going to a different church and he asked where I was going and we had just started Genesis. I go, oh, I'm here. And I said, oh, why'd you start going here? And he said, well, I just couldn't stay at a church where the pastor didn't really care about anybody. And I remember thinking, whoa, And as he said that, there was part of that that resonated true with me. And if I were looking back, and I don't know if it's still true, this was years ago. If I were to look back and say, it was probably because of this detachment. It's like, I can't be attached to anybody because I'm the pastor and I need to be, I can't be vulnerable to that. And what a tragedy that someone who is a part of that community of faith would look at the pastor and say, he doesn't really care about anybody. See, it doesn't, he doesn't have to care about me, per se. He just needs to care about somebody. You know, are you connected to somebody? And really, that's what we're fighting for. We're fighting for intimacy. If detaching is protecting from suffering, it's also protecting them from loving. 
you can't numb part of those things in your life without numbing everything in your life. Brene Brown talks about that in her book, Daring Greatly. She talks about how when we try and stop the vulnerability, then what we end up doing is also stopping the other emotions that come along with that. It's like, I don't want to be hurt, so I'm going to shut that off. Well, then you also shut off your ability to feel. And so it's a two-edged sword. You have to be vulnerable to feel. And if you're vulnerable, you can actually feel hurt. Right? And so this is what it is. I have to attach to people, but I can't be over-attached. And I can't detach. So I have to kind of work this out so I have people who are close to me, who I can pour myself into, who allow them to pour themselves into me as well. And, and really, isn't that what God's desiring for all of us? Is intimacy, is to be connected. Isn't that what it means to love God with all our heart and then to love our neighbor as ourself? You know, he longs for us to have the good things that are going to bless us. And part of that is the people and the love that comes with those attachments. Grace never fully reaches the corner of our soul without this attachment. Because we never know the fullness of grace until it is shown to us by other people, not just by God. See, I've understood the grace of God because I've received grace from people. And it's helped me to understand more deeply what grace really looks like. And so it's really important to see this, that freedom cannot be attained by detaching or over-attaching because they never allow God's goodness to transform us and help us get past maybe that unworthiness that we feel. Oh, I've got to always do something. I've got to always do something. Or I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be hurt. And God's grace needs to go to the place where we're weak, where we're broken. And people need to go there too. But the right people. The right people. And As a leader in any of these areas, you need the right people. Moms, if you don't have the right people helping you, that's a big burden to carry by yourself. How many times have our parents said, oh yeah, no, that's nothing new. This, you were like that also, right? We had to deal with this too. You know, when I look at my grandson and he's throwing a tantrum, he was throwing a tantrum today, he was just screaming. He would not be consoled. I mean, it bottle nothing. He would help me. He'd just sit there and just shake. <laughs> and he'd just sit there and shake. And I just remember thinking, oh, my gosh. And I remember just telling Amanda, it, our boys used to do that. Because she's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? It's like, oh, no, they just go through that, right? You need someone who can help you in those areas where you're going through there, those things. So how are we supposed to live and lead? I think of Jesus, how he gave his life to those who were actively rejecting him. He still loved them. He didn't detach from them. He knew how to stay involved with the core people that he was involved with, his inner disciples. But he loved everybody. 
And that's the right attitude. You have to love everybody, and then you have to have some people who you're involved with, some people who can connect to you. makes no sense, and yet it makes perfect sense at the same time that our hearts recognize what he's doing by giving himself away to people, but still giving himself only to his father. He didn't entrust himself to people. He entrusted himself to God, but he gave himself to people but he did it for a purpose. And, and I think that maybe can help give you guidance as a leader. What is your mission? What are you going to be leading in? And again, if it's a ministry, then it has a certain application. If it's work, it has a different application. But that can help guide you in who's allowed in and how you interact with those who are around you so that it can be healthy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary nor faint-hearted. We do what we do because we know why we are doing it. And so that is kind of our trajectory and the people we are going to take with us to help us get to that space. See, if I know that I'm trying to reach people, to communicate Jesus, then I want to connect myself with people who are going to help me to do that. And those people are going to be closer into my circle because we're in the same direction. Those people who don't care about reaching people, well, they might love God, but they're not focused like that or they don't have the same you know, emphasis as that. Well, they might not be as close because we're not in the same trajectory. We're not moving in the same direction. I still love them. I still have to be cordial to them. But my time with them is going to be affected by the mission that I have and what I'm doing. And I think of that as a church as well. If we're wanting to be a community that reaches people, then what can we do to reach people? And whoever is more about, well, I just want to feel comfortable or I just want to get fed, you can name a lot of different things, then maybe I have to decide, am I going to maintain this focus or am I going to allow these voices to affect my focus? You see what I'm saying? Because I have to decide, if I'm leading, this is the direction I'm going, who's going to be with me going this direction because I can so easily be swayed by people saying, you know what I'd really like to see happen is I'd really like to see this, this, and this. You know, we don't have a ministry to help the blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, yeah, we don't have a ministry to help, you know, the poor orphan elephants that are in, you know, Tunisia or whatever. I mean, and it's like, that could be a great thing. That could be a great ministry. That could be very needed. But is that my direction. If I'm leading, am I going to allow that voice from that circle of people 
to take me in that direction. Because if I am, then I'm not going to be successful in my leadership. So I have to choose whose voice I listen to and those things. And the bottom line, really, is I need to be willing to be seen by people and I need to have people around me that are willing to be seen so that I know where they're going and they know where I'm going. So that when I'm leading somewhere, I'm leading with uh, openness that people say, oh, this is where you're going. And they have an openness to say, I'm with you. Look at this is where I want to go as well. Because then we can move in the same direction and be effective. I love this passage in scripture, Genesis 16, 13, where Hagar's kicked out. I mean, kicked out not only of the house, but left in the desert to die by the father of faith and his wife. Just makes you interesting. You know, think, what's going on? And she says in chapter 16, verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. I love that. I've seen the one who sees me. That's what I want in my relationship. That's what I want leadership to look like. I want us to see each other and I need to be seen so that we know what direction we're going in together. And just because I'm choosing to go and lead in this direction, because this is what I feel I'm supposed to do, and each one of you is going to feel the need to lead in whatever direction. I feel led, you know, to start a ministry towards the homeless. I feel led to start a ministry towards the women. I feel led to whatever it is that you want to start doing. None of them are wrong and some are right, In other words, just because I want to go this direction doesn't mean people who are going another direction are wrong. I just need, if I'm going to lead, to have the singularity of where am I going? And I have to have people who are going the same direction. And sometimes it's really good that people leave our community because they're going a different direction. It doesn't mean they're going a wrong direction. They're just going a different direction. And that's okay. I just have to go the direction that I feel I'm going to lead in. And so leadership, it really is about the people you're involved with, the people you attach yourself to, and the danger of not being detached or trying to please everybody and attach to everyone. Otherwise, you will be ineffective in your leadership. Any thoughts But do you see where that comes into the role where, you know, it's actually becomes almost a pride. Well, I'm not going to complain when really there's a need that's there that you need someone to be involved with. I understand your point because there are those people who complain about everything, right? I mentioned that. And I don't want to be one of those people. And so I say, oh, no, everything's fine. But if they know, you know, you just found out you've, you know, got an illness or something, Well, then, really, if you're going to be honest, I'm okay, but 
this is more. And so it depends, though. I mean, if someone comes up to me and I don't know them, and they come up to me and they, oh, I hear this happened to you. How are you doing? It's like, ah, fine. You know, I'm not going to tell them, well, let me open up to you. I don't know you. I'm not comfortable. You're not in that inner circle. So I'm going to just say, hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Pray for me. You know, it's been difficult. I can say something. I want to be honest, but I don't have to open my heart out unless I have the comfort that that person is going to be trustworthy. Any other thoughts or questions? Yeah. Guys, did you catch where I was going with? Again, these are all things about leadership. We're not going to do this forever, but right now it's just about... And I hope, I wanted to make it applicable so it doesn't, you don't have to be leading in the church. In other words, if you're leading at work, what's your direction at work? Are you going to, you know, I'm, my job is to make sales, you know, go here. Okay, then who are you going to surround yourself with that's going to help you to do that? Who are the people who are going to move in that direction? Who are you going to connect to? And are you going to detach? Because you won't get there if you go there by yourself. Not as well. Nope. All right. I'm sorry. I know. Oh, it's okay. Well, let's pray. And there's three pieces of pie left. There's more? Okay. Well, let's, let's pray. Lord, once again, we thank you for giving us an example of what it is to be both uh, attached and detached in healthy ways. Lord, how you attached yourself to the disciples and opened your heart to them and poured your life into them and how you detached yourself in many ways from the multitude that just wanted to use you for their purposes. May we take your examples and may we be as loving and gracious as you have been. May we extend that grace to others. And I pray, Lord, that if there were any things that spoke to us tonight areas in overattachment or detachment that we would address those things more fully after here and with the right people that we would connect and grow and that intimacy would develop in our community with one another and that you would continue to guide us and i do pray for Lori and all the decisions before her lord concerning uh, just Father, may you give her wisdom and how it will influence her and her future. Lord, we thank you for, again, your working in Lori's life the way you are and pray you continue that work. And may nothing detour what you have begun in her. And I do entrust these things to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.